0: Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain! Ka- me Ka-me! We interrupt this program to
1: bring you a special report.
0: My name is Jeff.
1: I am Iron Man. Oh. <laughs> gosh, gosh, father,
2: Oh, hi, Mark. Wow. Mr. Feeny? Mr.
0: Feeny! I swallow your soul! I swallow your soul! I swallow your soul! Swallow this. Hello there.
2: Loud is not allowed. Now, you listen to me, mister. I work for a living. And I mean real work, not writing down gobbledygook.
0: Say, would you like a chocolate-covered pretzel? Come on, flip the pickle, Morty. You're not going to regret it. The payoff is huge. That's what she said. Welcome to my world, bitch.
1: And now, Comic Culture Radio, with your host, Kevin Caldwell. Hello and welcome to Comic Culture Beyond, your weekly supplementary show to Comic Culture. We have two great interviews for today, so let's get things rolling with our interview with Jake Lights.
0: Welcome back to Comic Culture. I'm your host, Kevin. Thank you. Today we are stoked to be on the film, the intergalactic film, all the way from planet Ondo, with the one, the only, the mighty Kevin. The mighty Kevin is one, Ondo. Half, the <laughs> one half the legendary musical uh, duo, Future. My producer is telling me that the Mighty Kevin isn't real. He's just a character uh, portrayed by Jake Leitz. He's telling me the guy who plays Lester in Grand Theft Auto V and How on vinyl is secretly the Mighty Kevin. That's, he That's the whole true. review. But in that case, Hondo, Jay, thanks so <laughs> much for being here with us, man. Hey,
2: Hondo, brother. Pleasure to be here. So, uh, thanks for reaching out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I said, this isn't going to say my whole interview, but we're going to just play it by ear now. We'll see how it goes. So let's start with absolutely, the man. And uh, tell me about your background and what led you to showing a career in the arts.
2: Uh, well, I grew up mostly in Jacksonville, Florida, um, but I have uh, lived in New York now for 16 years. Went to undergrad at Bucknell in Pennsylvania. Uh, went to grad school to study acting at the, at the American Repertory Theater slash Harvard, and um, that's when I sort of uh, made the commitment coming out of college. Um, I just couldn't bear to get a, a regular human job.
0: <laughs>
2: it's probably the truth of it. So so I went to grad school to study acting, um, although even, even when I was finishing grad school, I thought maybe I would go teach somewhere, or, you know, I, I just wasn't so sure I wanted to do the big city thing, cut to almost 17 years later, and I'm, I'm still here,
0: <laughs>
2: uh, which is kind of wild, uh, and I love this crazy town, but um, yeah, I just, uh, I, you know, I was an actor, I, I was a performative kid, um, all through high school I did theater, uh, I went to college, you know, to undergrad, and I, I told myself I wasn't going to do theater, I was going to do something more practical, um, but I was completely full of shit and <laughs> ended up doing, I lasted one semester without doing theater. Um, so I got right back into it, uh, and then did the grad school and then here. And, um, I've, I've had a a really great time, man. I've, I've been very fortunate and gotten to be a part of a lot of very cool projects. And, uh, I, I also am, am very grateful that, um, you know, I have gotten to dip my toes in, in all the different pools of acting. Um whereas some actors tend to stay in one lane. You know, they might be mostly a Broadway person or they might be mostly a, a VO person, uh VO meaning voiceover, uh or, you know, etc. Um and I, I've I've been fortunate to to kind of uh reach into uh all the areas. I've done a handful of Broadway shows, I've done lots of commercial work, be it on camera or voiceover. Uh, I've done quite a lot of TV, you know, like, uh, guest stars and recurring characters, uh, some great indie films, uh, of course, including The History of Future Folk, um, and, uh, yeah, man, it, it's a crazy business and it keeps you very up and down and, and you're never bored, that's for sure, um, but, uh, I'm, I'm very, very pleased that I, I gave it a go because, uh, it's been a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to talk about the genesis of Future Folk. You and your partner in that endeavor, uh, Nils Mills Did I say his mm-hmm. name right?
2: You did. You nailed it. Mills Nail- D'Alaire. Awesome. You got that exactly right, which is not not often the case. You nailed it.
0: <laughs> so you, you guys uh, came up with the idea after creating and starting an off-off Broadway production entitled Who is Wilfred Brimley. It gave me a fair amount of digging, but I finally found it online. Kind of give us a brief wow. of what that was about. <laughs> Sure.
2: Well, we Mills and I were working with our dear friend, John Buellette, at the time. And um, we were just trying to figure out what form our creative outlets uh, ought to take. And we, we had this kind of funny idea. Um, we, we, we wanted to focus on like a D-list celebrity, but treat them like an A-list celebrity. That was kind of the notion that spawned the whole thing um you know we wanted to take someone who was only a little famous and treat them like a super famous person uh and tell a story about them as such so we we wrote a one act musical um and i of course had the, the honor of, of playing mr brimley himself and we we basically followed the uh outline of uh behind the music right so it's you know you know how the do you remember behind the music the the yeah. VH1's into you know it's like they're almost always the same story, you know, like they come from nothing and they have a meteoric rise to fame, uh, and then they screw it up drinking and drugging and whoring around and they fall to shame and, and terrible regrets, uh, and then they redeem themselves somehow at the end. It's like almost always that plot line. <laughs> so yeah. we were just sort of toying with that cliche, um, and, and wrote this fictionalized version of, of his life um and did it this wonderful theater called the Brick Theater uh in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, uh which is still very active and, and produces a lot of great work today. Um and if anybody's visiting New York and you want to see some real deal off off Broadway, so you have to go to the Brick Theater. It's a great, great space. Um but a, anyway we, we did that show there at a at a festival they were running, you know, with a bunch of different shows were able to premiere uh, and, and we sold some tickets and, and they said, well, do you want to extend your run? We said absolutely freaking So we ended up, uh, you know, running the show there. I forget now, you know, maybe two or three times a week for, I don't know, a couple of months or something. And, um, whatever it was, maybe more, maybe three. But, um, it, it was a really goofy, fun, satirical show, um, that we all put together. And Mills is a, a musical genius. And so, um, I'm sort of jumping ahead here, but i I'm guessing this is where you're going you know where future folk came in after brimley um basically we we had finished that, and knowing that nils was was such a brilliant music, musician um i I had been toying around with this idea of um writing an acoustic space album like I wanted to tell the story of a spaceman, but do it you know in contrast a, a sort of contrasting. Music was on which of course would be folk music, right? Uh, I'm fond of saying I was listening to too much Broly at the time and sort of had my brain in that space and, and, um, which was true. And, and so I, I had this kind of Rocket Mountain ish notion, but more folky. And, uh, I took it to Mills, and I'd written like two songs um that once in a blue moon we'll still strum through <laughs> um and so i i had this concept album idea and i took it to him and, and then it just kind of grew you know how it happens like we started shooting around ideas and it became well what if we didn't do a concept album what if this was the whole act and we were both from this uh other planet and it just kind of grew out of us uh working together and and writing silly songs together and um just having a lot of fun, probably a little too much fun, uh at Mills' apartment. <laughs> and uh such was the birth of future folks.
0: So are you familiar with the uh Brimley Cocoon line?
2: No, but I like that name and I want you to tell me what it is.
0: So the Brimley Cocoon line is like kind of the pseudo meme. Uh, it's basically uh Wolf Burnley was like fifty when he started uh when he started Cocoon. Right, and the Wilford, uh, the Brimley Cocoon line is how close you are to uh, being that age. So it's like eighteen thousand something days, and, That's uh, and uh, it's it's like so it's so right about fifty years old when you hit the Brimley Cocoon line. So you're either a pre Brimley Cocoon or post Brimley Cocoon.
2: That is very funny. That's, that's an yeah. amazing <laughs> way to sort of mark the, the, the midway point of your life. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. But uh, as soon as I read that you guys were in that production, that's the first thing that came into my head. I was like, oh, I wonder if they know about the Belinda Cocoon line. Because it's really a deeper meme. Like, it's not a photo. It's like an idea. Like, it's way – Right. It's it's pretty awesome. Like, you should uh Look into it and see how close you are to that, other, like, a the line.
2: Oh, oh, I'm going to Google it all right. <laughs> <laughs> For sure.
0: So we That's saw so a true depiction of how Future Folk was formed in the movie, The History of Future Folk. But I was curious, were there any liberties taken with the actual story?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, the, the when we first started performing, and, and when we made the movie, we had been performing – uh, around New York for years, uh, and we had a funny little following. Uh, you know, it was a lot of our friends, but we sort of gathered a nice little uh, fan base. Uh, and even then, they would show up dressed up like aliens, and, and sort of dressed vaguely like we we dressed. Um, and everything you see in the movie is like a nicer version of how we dressed and acted back then, right? Like we we always wore the weird bucket helmets. Uh, except back in the day, they were actually literal red buckets with a faceplate cut out and, like, antennas and knobs and weird metal bits glued on and stuff like that. Uh, of course, when we did the movie, we got a, a nice upgrade. But um, we've been playing for a bunch of years, and, and we had a different backstory story um, in which we did a lot of time traveling. Um, so our planet had already been blown up. And we came to Earth via time travel to find music which then would take us back and then help us to save our planet. It was this whole convoluted thing. Um which when you're transferring over to a cinematics then you uh is very expensive to shoot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um the the writers, so it was our, our our dear friends Jeremy and John who approached us about doing moving and and there are um very good friends of mine from college, and, you know, they knew us as friends. They knew us as the band for many years and had seen us play, and, and they came to us and said, you know what, guys, we'd like to make a movie about future folk, and, you know, our jaws hit the floor, and we couldn't believe it, and, of course, we were thrilled. Um, but they did say, you know, listen, we, we, we're going to have to change a little bit of your backstory to fit the genre of film as opposed to a live act because, um, you know, this is an independent film, and as such, there is a limited budget, and um, you know, time travel is really fucking expensive to shoot. <laughs> so um, we we adjusted that and and sort of brought it in real time. And, and God there were I'm sure a few other items we smaller items we changed along the way, but um, the core of the thing is is certainly still there. I mean, we were always these goofy. Uh, red spacesuit wearing aliens from the planet Hondo who played folk music. Yeah. No, um, yeah. so,
0: I do love the movie and I love the band, but I do have one problem I wanted to address, and I hope you're ready for criticism. Yeah, so, hit me. We have the mighty Kevin, and I'm just Kevin, and it makes me feel somewhat less than. How come it kind of been like the mighty Grey? Like, is there any room for a wrestler <laughs> yeah. in there?
2: Yeah. Sure. No, listen, b- buddy, you're thinking about it the wrong way. It's not against you as a Kevin. It includes you as a Kevin. <sighs> okay. You also can be the mighty Kevin. And and I think after this airs, probably your friends, if they're good friends, will begin to call you the mighty Kevin. I'm just saying it, it's yours. Take it. Run with it.
0: <laughs> if I don't get started, if someone doesn't call me the mighty Kevin as soon as this airs, I'm quitting the show. Like, it's done. That's it's right. Over. That's right. You're done.
2: You're walking away. You're <laughs> moving to a new city. You're finding new friends. <laughs>
0: Sounds good. I'll move to uh, New York and I'll go hang out at the brick.
2: Totally. Join us. Join us here. <laughs> you love it. Uh,
0: so, uh, tell me about your recent film, Empathy Inc., and your character, Lester. I unfortunately haven't had a chance to see it yet, but I plan on it in the coming weeks. It's definitely an interesting take on the whole uh, VR uh, world that we're totally. in. Totally. Right
2: oh man it's i am i am uh i'm not shy about saying that I am terribly proud of that little movie. It's so damn good um it it's a it, to me it embodies um in- very much like future folk does and, and by the way like future folk um very much owes the success of that film to jeremy and John the filmmakers they are the one that helped us instill that film with incredible amounts of hearts. Um, and they are the ones who made this perfectly indie indie film, you know, like it was not a big budget. They made it work with what they had and they made it work really, really well. And the same way empathy, Inc is an independent film that, um, despite lacking a lot of the big budget items and capabilities of Hollywood, um, made something that I think is really impactful and really smart, uh, and really well done. Um, I, I'm not gonna give any spoilers so I don't wanna talk about the plot, because uh, there's there's quite a twist or two. Um, but Yudidia the the director is is really an incredible director. Um I I'm telling you to keep an eye out for that dude because you're gonna see him again. And um it, it's a, it's a if you love sci fi even a little bit, um, this is you. You're gonna freaking love this movie. It, it's a sci fi film, it's a sort of film noir movie. Uh, it's mysterious, it's subtle, uh, but very impactful. Um, I I love that movie. It's I would go so far as to say it's one of my, my favorite projects I've done actually. Um and yeah. on top of that I get I get to play a bad guy, which is awesome because they don't let me do that very often. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um yeah, I can't wait to see it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and find it. Do you know where, if it's available stream anywhere right now?
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's streaming all the places that, that it would. You know, you can get it on iTunes, uh, Amazon, I think. It's, uh, if you just Google Empathy Inc., uh, it'll show up for sure or look at it on, on Facebook or Instagram, it'll show up and, and provide you with links to where it can be found. Uh, it's, it's definitely, it got a nice, um, little release. Um, it's on demand for a minute as well, so you can you can do it that way through your TV. Um, but uh, it, it's out there; you'll you'll be able to find it for sure.
0: Awesome! Well, I'm probably gonna watch it this weekend, so I'll uh, let you know. I'm probably gonna love it. Yeah, dude. Show.
2: Shoot me an email. Let me know what you think. I'm I'm uh, always interested to hear the thoughts of of fellow sci-fi fans. So let me know.
0: And so your character in the movie is named Lester. And I was thinking, why does that name sound so familiar when thinking about Chris? Right. And I was like, Wait, he's my trusted advisor with all my nefarious doings in Grand up Auto Online. Uh right. the role of Lester. Dude, you know, it's so funny,
2: man. I I uh I went in for an audition. Uh it, it was through my commercial agent. When you're an actor you have two kinds of agents. One is your commercial agent. And they handle commercial projects, which could be, you know, uh, a beer commercial or a fast food radio spot or whatever else. And you have a, um, they call it legit or theatrical agent. And that they handle the film, television, and theater. So this was, video games are still a commercial enterprise uh, as far as agents are concerned. So if a commercial agent sent me in. I had no idea what the hell it was. I had no idea what a big thing it was going to end up being. I had no idea that it was something that I would be working on for years and years and years. Uh, um, it, you know, that game basically never stops. So, like, more to come. Um, it's, it's wild. It's totally wild. Um, the, I, I went in, I did it one audition and, and I booked the job and I had no idea, uh, what it was going to be. Um, and then we, we started working on it and I, I sort of figured out like, as we were actually doing it, like, oh, uh, I think I'm kind of one of the main guys of this thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, that's funny. I they didn't really, I didn't know. <laughs> uh, and then tattoo, to, you know, I mean, gosh, we, we, it took, I don't even know how many years. I, I genuinely can't even remember how many years it took to make the game because, you know, we, it's all, uh, motion capture, right? So. You're in the full, like, neck to feet bodysuit with these sensors all over you. Um, you've got a helmet on with a, a little face camera that shoots back at you so it picks up your face. Of course, they're recording audio as well. So it's, it's really, I mean, you have to wear all this accoutrement, but it's, it's really just like filming a, a TV show or a, a film, right? Like, it's you know, you're walking around in a given space um and saying lines and doing things and the only difference is they're they're sort of layering this, this animation on top of you. Um it's pretty wild and, and really been an incredible journey. Um so it's it's uh it's funny. I, I get a lot of random emails and messages to Lester. Um, and keep an eye out because Lester may soon have his own online presence. I'm toying with this uh, idea of, of starting a sort of "Ask Lester" column. So, to all you GTA 5 players out there, keep an eye out for that.
0: Ooh, getting an exclusive scoop here! Yeah, <laughs> no, you actually it. are, you,
2: Kev. You're, you, Kev, you're the first person to hear that, my man. It's right. Brand new Do news. Not say yeah. that
0: to anyone else publicly until I put this interview out.
2: That's right. right. Yeah, big big news. <laughs> old uh, Old is gonna be uh, out there. You can reach out. So get ready. Okay. Get ready.
0: Uh, Lester's coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so as you mentioned, for years and years, Grand Theft Auto Five just had its sixth anniversary last month. Six years. It's such a massively popular game. Still, it feels like GTA Online gets more popular every week. Uh, you kind of touched base on this earlier but how does it feel to be attached to something that had such longevity
2: you know it's funny I I, um, everywhere I go uh, I end up meeting people that play GTA 5 and and when uh, I don't always but usually when I I, you know I'll say you know alright yeah I, I worked on the game and I'll tell them I'm left here and people are so excited about it and and there have even been a few occasions where um, I met people that um, it was a genuinely meaningful moment for them to meet Lester, you know. Um, and I'm not trying to – that's not about me, by the way. Like I, I, it, That's about fandom. And I'm, as a person, I am a fan. I'm a deep-ass fan. You know what I mean? So I get yeah. it. I totally get it. And to see the the genuine uh, genuine emotional reaction uh, from people, like, like, like occasionally it really is, like, people are so deeply excited. And and it's humbling and and very cool, and and I'm glad to, like, sort of uh, give somebody a funny, odd, happy moment and go, oh, my God, I met Lester, that's great, you know, and and, um, I'm glad to bring that to the world. And um, as, like, dark and weird and fucked up as that game can be in some ways, like, it's... uh, yeah, you know, it's a good outlet for people, and uh, I love it, man. It's wild, it's wild and weird, baby.
0: Yeah, creepy Uncle Lester just uh, coming in hot. <laughs> um, That's right. Sure... <laughs> Every single coming time. Coming in like hot, that... baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sure NBA's bar you from answering this next one, which I completely understand and respect, but I just needed to ask. Sure. Uh, was was, was Doomsday Heist originally planned as a single player DLC but was then repurposed for online or was it always planned to be online?
2: Oh, um, you know what? I have no fucking clue. Uh, I, I I would probably... You'd be surprised how little the actors are told. And that's purposeful and I totally get it, right? Like... Yeah, their plans and their you know like I don't really see the scripts uh until the moment before I go in for it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they'll send me stuff and it's all watermarked. Like they're very, very. I mean, Rockstar legit is is like the CIA. They're watching. They're gonna hear this interview. They're gonna check up on it for sure. Um, you know, and and so I I don't know. I have no idea, dude. <laughs> <laughs> i mean time. if i if i did know you're right i couldn't say but i don't yeah, even of course. know because <laughs> like uh, they you know they, they don't tell me and and with reason you know and that's fine i, mean, I don't care i don't need to know
0: yeah, i'm sure you're familiar with that mural on mount Sholiad. that's like the mountain and there's the jetpack on it that was from the in the game from the very beginning yeah and so uh I kind of figured that you couldn't answer. And I, once again, totally respect that. And uh, so, speaking of the Doomsday Heist, that's yeah, a total coincidence. But I think it's funny how the plots of both that and the history of Future Folk about averting a nuclear war, all oh, that was a very different paths and outcomes. That was right? Right? Isn't that that's funny? funny that, I, it was something yeah. That I
2: totally. That, that is funny how uh, that plot line appears in a couple of different things I've worked on, in the same way that the character Lester is also a character I've played in a few different things. Yeah. I p- I played Lester in a third project. I'm trying to remember what it was. I- I'll have to look it up. I can't even remember now. I've been doing it for years, but it's all starting to fade together. <laughs> I think I've been to Lester three times now.
0: <laughs> I just happened to have your IMDb pulled up for unrelated reasons. Oh, really? Sure. But uh, I only see two. Uh, maybe there's a third one out there somewhere. But I just see empathy and the Grand Theft Auto.
2: Right. There's some, like, weird, obscure Lester I've played someplace. Okay. was it? I don't know. It'll come to me in a minute.
0: So, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I just want to touch base on one more thing and then end with a couple fun ones. Uh, sure. How does GTA continue to up the ante? Just when I think the Lost Stars out, uh, outdone themselves. They deliver yet another awesome DLC. Like, we're pretty close to having a straight-up space station property, right?
2: Right, right. Totally. <laughs> I mean, dude...
0: It's, they, um, I'll
2: say this, like, every time, the technology they use, which of course I can't discuss specifically, I, you know, I I can talk in a general sense about doing mocap and all that, but like, um, every time I go in there, they are upgrading their technology. And every time we're doing a mission, it's bigger and better and crazier and higher stakes. Like, I really think it comes down to just they are the masters of finding a way somehow and possibly to make it all even bigger than the last one. And I I don't know, like, you know, next thing you know, it's going to be, yeah, we're in space, and then it's going to be like the whole universe is at stake or something. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I I don't know how they're going to make
0: it even bigger and bolder and crazier, like, but they will. They'll find a way.
2: (laughs) That's that's kind of like.
0: This is not Jay confirming or denying the existence of any such DLC. Rockstar, if you're listening, he is not confirming or denying. I, I have
2: no system. idea that was that's <laughs> an arbitrary guess. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All
0: right. It's, it's going to be like, you know, like, uh,
2: you know no, hit me, hit me. What do you got? Yeah.
0: Uh, go ahead with your last thought, though. It's okay.
2: Uh, I was just gonna say, it's gonna, it's like, um I'm having a, a, a brain melt. Who, who is the bad guy in the most recent Marvel movies that killed half of everybody in the universe? Oh my god, Thanos. I'm embarrassed. Don't air this. Uh, what was his name? You know I mean? Thanos. Thanos, oh my god, thank you. Sorry, I was spacing out on Thanos. It, it, they're, they're gonna be like on Thanos level or some, Like, eventually, like, there's gonna be a new DLC that's like, Someone's gonna disintegrate the entire universe unless you do this. All
0: right, I will cut, cut to Lester. Out. Here's <laughs> what you have to do.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, I will make sure that uh, you don't want that part air. But uh, <laughs>
2: so. all right, thank you. Thank you for making me not look like an asshole. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> don't tell anybody because I've worked for Marvel before. Yeah, I was in the Jessica Jones series too. <laughs>
0: Yeah, all right, so it's late Saturday night. What will be catching your yep. watching on TV?
2: Oh, ooh, that's a great question. Um, okay. Most recently, oof. Um, I'm going to give a multi-part answer, okay, because I just can't say one thing. Uh, most recently, you would catch me watching, I'm catching up on Succession on HBO. Um because I think that cast is absolutely fucking incredible. That, I mean, I, I don't know if they've won like an Ensemble Emmy Award or whatever else, but like they ought to. Like that cast is so damn good. It's unreal. All those actors who just amazing. And and the show is, like, so gritty and dark and fucked up. I love it. Um, so, Succession, most recently. Um, I'm very excited about the Breaking Bad movie. That's definitely going to happen this weekend, um, because, of course, like everyone, that show is, is beloved to me. Um, and at any given time, I might be going back to the Bible and watching a Star Wars movie. The prequels set aside, of course. Um, the, you know, the originals, obviously, my Bible, my 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 very core of the system of beliefs that I hold. Um, and you know what? Fuck the haters. All the new ones are so good. You're being a dick. They're really good. Like, I mean, Rogue One is actually was my favorite, even though that's kind of like an offshoot side piece. I love yeah. that one. But all the... They're all so good, man. Come on. It's Star Wars and they, they've they honored you know, they've honored them. I love them. I don't want to get into too too deep a fight about it, but I, I you know, Star Wars is my the basis of my whole life, really.
0: <laughs> oh, we we go on for hours. I
2: yeah, like, totally.
0: I have no problem. But uh, for the sake of key like, totally. things, uh, Star Wars is awesome. It <laughs> we'll yeah. will that. Uh It's good yeah. that you brought up uh, Breaking Bad because I totally spaced on this, but Julianne Emery is in the History of Future Folk, and I just interviewed yes. her like a week ago or so uh, for the Preacher series finale. Oh, yes. You can oh, me a First of all, <laughs> for, oh, did I? Oh, yeah, yes. I did. <laughs> I just
2: thought, hold on, I'm texting you back during our interview. Is this sort of like <laughs> surreal? um the first of all she Julian Emery is a freaking great actor great 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 actor um, she's one of the greats, like she's the best um we were so so thrilled to have had her involved in future folk um and uh, and preacher is actually like in my top three. It's one of those series I have not yet started. Uh, but oh my gosh, I can't wait to get down with it. Um, because it's, it's totally up my alley. And, uh, I'm, I've I've not seen a single episode yet, but I will see all of them. So, very excited to get down to that show. And I actually just saw a commercial. I was watching Fear of the Walking Dead. Um, and I saw a commercial and saw her in it just the other night. And I was like, oh, she's doing so. Very excited to catch up on that.
0: Have you watched Lodge
2: Forty Nine? No. What is that? I don't think Lost
0: 49? Show, Lodge Forty Nine Lodge Forty Nine,
2: like the uh, Elks Lodge. Oh, yes, yes. I I did actually started and then I just got distracted and haven't gotten back around to it. But I'm going to. That's so
0: great. Um,
2: is it really? I I love. Yeah. Uh, sorry, don't air this part either. What's the lead actor's name?
0: Wyatt Russell.
2: Wyatt Russell. I I worked with Wyatt. Jesus, I worked with Wyatt on an indie film a couple years back
0: Table 19. called
2: Table Nineteen. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I I was the wedding photographer in that, which was a wedding movie. So I was kind of like lurching around in that movie. Um, super nice guy, and so I, I and and that he's very. It's a very dude-like character.
0: Yeah. Um, which, which
2: which of course you know, if it's not Star Wars, the dude is you know Lebowski is my other bible. But um, I, I, I'm very excited to catch up on that as well. Fucking AMC, man! Like so much good stuff. Like unbelievable.
0: Isn't that the catchphrase "so much good stuff" or something like that? Oh, is it? I don't know. Is that, that like some? Weird. Is that
2: some like deep level advertising subconscious shit? Maybe because <laughs> if it is, I didn't realize that.
0: <laughs> uh, who is it's one entirely of the possible though? Lester or the Mighty Greg? Sorry, the Mighty Kevin. The I think actually Mighty Kevin would do
2: it. You know why? Because Lester would be busy like calling in a squad to come get him but then Mighty Kevin would bust out his ray gun and blam 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 before (laughs) Lester even got the call out. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, you can't fight that ray gun. You know the one I mean, or blow up this cantaloupe.
0: But Lester (laughs) also has access to an horrible cannon. So, I mean, it depends on how quickly he can catch his fingers.
2: I guess I'm assuming it's like if they meet on the street randomly and start to fight, not like they're preparing for battle fight. So, you know, maybe there are some specifics to consider, but I don't know. Either way, it's going to be a tough fight, and I'd love to see it.
0: Absolutely. That's, that's a cage so,
2: match to end all cage matches.
0: This one is actually, the uh, it's not the last question. The last one I added, I added it last night because I was playing GTA. And I was right. talking to someone and they I mentioned that I was interviewing you today and they said they wanted to ask you a fan question. So this is a fan question from Nathan. Hit me. I love that. He has suspicions that LJT and Lester are one and the same. Confirm or deny?
2: Wait, wait. Say that again. I didn't hear you.
0: He, uh, Nathan has a suspicion that LJT and Lester are the same person. Confirm or deny?
2: Deny. <laughs> and, that's, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> all right.
0: <laughs> I mean, there is that point uh, now where he starts to say Lester and then he kind of trails off, but uh, right, denied. Right. Right. Yeah.
2: I'm just I'm just going to leave it at that, my friends. <laughs>
0: All right, final question. It's the hardest one on the it whole me. interview. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Does pineapple belong on pizza?
2: My God, yes. You fools. Put the goddamn pineapple on the goddamn <laughs> pizza. What's more delicious and wonderful, wonderful pepperoni, meaty, meaty pepperoni with the sweet, sweet fruit and all that cheese? Of course you need the pineapple on the pizza. Don't be foolish. Don't be foolish.
0: <laughs> All right, man. I just want to thank our special guest, Jay Kleist. Let's put the pineapple me. on your pizza. <laughs> All right. If Uncle Lester <laughs> says that, we have to do
2: it. That's right. That's right.
0: <laughs> you can find out more about Jay and his work by going to com. Any final Lester or Kevin words of wisdom for us?
2: Um, I'll just say this. Keep an eye out, ladies and gentlemen, for Hondo Productions. Yes, Hondo, like future folk. Um, we, Nils, of course, who plays uh, General Trias, uh, he and I have started a production company this year with a third partner named Michael Cappazzoli. Um, you can find out about us at hondo-productions.com. Uh, and we have some really fun projects, uh, a couple of indie movies, a TV series, a lot of stuff brewing. So keep an eye out. Like us on Facebook uh and enjoy the ride baby
1: thanks so much to jake lights for that great interview up next our interview with saranata chenny
0: welcome back to comic culture poker trainers today we are super stoked to have one of the greatest pokemon masters of our time on the show with us Serenata chenny is a voice actress who is best known for portraying forever 10 year old protagonist ash catching from pallet on the dub of the pokemon franchise since 2006 thank you so much for being here with us
1: Thank you so much for having me. How are you doing? I'm
0: doing good. Uh, kind of warm today. We're in uh, southern Oregon and it's a little bit warmer than usual, so I'm pretty stoked on that.
1: Lucky you. It actually just dropped down to 40 degrees from like 60 yesterday, so I have not left oh. my house today.
0: Oh, we That's the opposite. It went from 40 to 60 for us, so uh, you can blame Weird. us for taking your weather for you. I do, and okay. I will continue to. All right.
1: Okay. just good. Just so I'm glad this is oh, off to yeah. a good start. We're best friends.
0: Excellent. <laughs> Very good. So, uh, before we <laughs> jump into things, tell me a bit about your background and what led to you pursuing a career in entertainment. Uh,
1: so my parents are, uh, musicians. My mom is a Broadway and classical violinist, and my dad's a classical pianist. Uh, so the arts was always pretty much it's all I knew I didn't really have the option of becoming a doctor or a lawyer uh, and I also didn't really aspire to even though I heard that that was a thing to do um, so uh I was a rhythmic gymnast I started doing that when I was like four years old and uh I hated it I wasn't very good at it and my parents forced me to keep going so I did and uh when I was 12 or 13 I won a bronze medal at the junior olympics finally and at that point I was like that's it I'm done you cannot force me to go anymore I won uh, I'm over it goodbye and they were like okay sure cool uh except you're not gonna sit at home every weekend and do nothing so my mom I, I could I remember her like kind of scrambling and trying to figure out like where to where to put me where do we what do we do with this kid and uh she was on the phone in the kitchen and she's like do you want to go to acting school? And I was like, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's do that. It's perfect. I hated being myself. So it was kind of a natural progression. Um, so I went to acting school, and uh, she, my mom would, like, go to our shows and, like, kind of hush-hush to the teacher be like, is she any good? Like, should she pursue this? And they were all like, yeah, yeah. But of course they would say that, you know. But, uh, you know, I think I think they were right. She thought they were right. My parents were like, okay, she, she can pursue this, and they didn't really push me to do anything else, and, uh, you know, here I am, being being an actor.
0: Uh, here you are. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I want to talk about Bullet Witch for a minute. Uh, you portrayed the playable protagonist, Alicia. In my opinion, yeah. the game was supremely underrated. I never really heard anyone talking about it, unless it was, like, GameStop mm-hmm. or something. Um, mm-hmm. When you did that role, was it strictly booth work, or was there any mocap involved?
1: It was unfortunately strictly booth work. I would have loved to do that as mocap. She was yeah, so you, cool.
0: Have you done any mocap at all
1: over the years? I have not, and I want to very badly. I move well. well uh, I was a rhythmic gymnast. <laughs> like uh, it's 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 a, it's a tough thing to break into. I'm talking to my agents about it, and I'm like, how do I, you know? It's, yeah, if it it's doesn't happen, single.
0: I'm gonna quit my show. Putting that out there. If Sarah does not get go. a mocap in the next. 10 years I'll quit my show. 10 years. <laughs>
1: fine, <laughs> fine. <laughs>
0: All right, you said a year. We'll call it we'll call it 5 years. We'll meet halfway.
1: Okay. Thank you for the support. I I really I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So wow. I watched your character reel you did a couple years back while prepping for this and your Russell mm-hmm. Brand one I quite literally laughed so loud without putting you on the spot. Could we get a little sample of that?
1: Oh dear. Uh, you know, Tamara, if you want to call me, you can call me, but it's, it's not going to work, is it? I haven't done it in a while. Is that it? <laughs> uh, no, but thank you for that. Russell Brand. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> let me try to embody him a little bit better. Maybe I can do a better one for you. You know what I mean? What, you, what, what, what do you think is going to happen here? What do you think, really? Nah, that's all right. It's, it, it could get there. You put me on the spot, man.
0: I know, I know. I'm sorry, but I appreciate that. That was great. Uh, so, I'm
1: trying to besides... think of him in that, in that wonderful movie with Jonah Hill. Get oh,
0: Getting to the, the Greek. I'm not giving movie. up on this. <laughs> we'll touch back on this I later. We'll it back. You process it, and uh, yes. we'll uh, hit it at the end. So besides Excellent. the voice work, you do a lot of directing and editing. Could you fill us in on what got you interested in that particular side of it?
1: Sure. Uh, So when I first got the job on Pokemon, I was 18, 19, and uh, I was pursuing a bunch of different things. I was modeling, and I was doing on-camera acting, and and then I got Pokemon, and then I got a little taste of fame, and all the really, really, like in my experience, really nasty stuff that came with it. And um, I always loved film, and I I loved making stuff, so I I, I became kind of a shut-in. And I learned how to edit just for the fun of it because I wanted to make stuff. And, um, I, you know, I showed little films to my friends and they were like, you're actually really quite good at that and you should pursue it. And they started hiring me. Um, a friend made a film, my friend, Ralph Aaron, he made a film called Worst Friends and he needed an editor and he called me up and was like, or he, you know, G chatted me or something. And he's like, uh, I need an editor. We need somebody to like start tomorrow, uh to work on this film, and I jokingly, I like I asked around a little bit, but I was like 22 maybe, I didn't really know very many people at that point, and uh, at, at the end of the day, I was like, I didn't find anybody, but jokingly like, me? hehe, <laughs> winky face, and uh, he's like, all right, here, how about this, I'm going to give you 30 minutes of a string out of the film, if you can cut me a trailer that I can show to my producer, who was like an Oscar winning producer, <laughs> Um, t- by tomorrow morning, you know, we'll see. We'll talk about it. And I was like, all right, here we go. So it was like, it was like a project runway challenge for me. And, uh, I sat down. I didn't know what the film was about. I didn't know anything except what was like a little blurb that was written on IMDb. And, uh, I cut this trailer and I sent it to him, like, at I don't know, 9 a.m. I didn't sleep at all, obviously. And, uh, he's like, huh. Okay, that's pretty good. And he showed it to the producer, and they hired me to work on the film. And that was my very first job. I was an associate editor on this on this feature film.
0: A kind With of a the... fake it till you make it, right?
1: Yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah, isn't yeah. that everything, though? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, I guess we should hop into that super underground, only weebs know about it, anime Pokemon. I don't know if you've actually ever heard of it. I hadn't before this interview. But you've been the voice of Ash Ketchum since 2006. Uh, Were you a fan of the games and anime before you took on the role?
1: I was a fan of the anime in particular because my parents didn't really let me play games as a child. I was so deprived. Um, But, yeah, I I was like 10 or 11 when the show came out. So I was at that prime, that, that target age group. And everybody had the cards, so I had a whole binder full of cards and we would play them. Um, and I—I don't—I can't say like I—I I, I outgrew the anime, but I—I I started watching less TV. I wasn't really allowed to mm-hmm. spend much time in front of a screen as a kid. So, but yeah, I was definitely a huge fan. And when I got the audition, I'm like, are you kidding me? It was like this was the biggest thing in my childhood for sure. This was like yeah. the most prominent show of of our youth. So, yeah, it's crazy. It's great. So
0: I'm gonna take a stab and say you had a holographic Charizard. That you got rid of, and you're kicking yourself for because it's worth like ten thousand dollars now, right?
1: <laughs> is it really though? Is it really? I try to I try to like lie to myself and say it's not, but is it?
0: A... I don't Probably. know. There was an episode of I Pawn Stars where a guy brought in like sixty, and they were all worth like ten thousand dollars
1: each, or something like that. It was like what? Oh, really?
0: Oh, I should have kept them. but well, no. Anyway, if anybody wants to
1: gift one, if anybody wants to gift me one, I'm I'm right here. I'm waiting for it. I'm totally available okay. to accept your gift.
0: Mm-hmm. taking 10% as a uh, finest fee for it that's coming from the show saying
1: if it comes through you absolutely and yes okay. it would in this case it would so yeah yeah, good deal good deal done
0: okay <laughs> so you took over the role from Veronica Taylor in the beginning mm-hmm. did you try and voice match her or did you try and make it your own right from the get go
1: so that was the job the job was to find a voice match um, and so I, I studied her before the audition and I did the audition. I thought I did terribly. Um, And some people would probably agree. Uh, So yeah, the first, my first season battle frontier season nine is definitely me trying to stay within her range. Um, And then it slowly, they kept kind of changing me. They kept pitching me up, pitching me down, kind of giving me different direction. So that was kind of a challenge during season nine and 10, I would say. Um, And then just over time, it, it, it grew and it obviously morphed into what it is today. And he's, he's probably, I would say he's very much my, my own interpretation at this point. He's so different now.
0: Yeah, definitely. I definitely saw the progression and,
1: uh, I didn't, back when
0: I was a kid, I didn't really notice when actor A switched with actor B, but now as an older, more seasoned adult human person, I do Mm -hmm. see the differences, uh. But yours is definitely very much your own, but still Ash in the same sense. Does that make sense to me? To you? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, I think I think he's still Ash. He's he's you know he's evolved he's into our favorite pro a little tag. bit different, but he's still he's still our dude. <laughs> yeah. He's still our so guy.
0: Yeah. This one, this next one's probably impossible to answer, but I'm gonna have to answer it anyway. <laughs> we start that one. Wow. This next one is probably impossible to answer, but I'm going to have to ask it anyway. What is it about Pokemon that's made it such a mega franchise? I mean, like you said, when it first came out when we were kids, it was huge, and there's no slowing down. Like, was it just something about it that made it click? I mean, we're coming up with, like, what, 20 years now of this
1: franchise being a thing? It's so many things. Pokemon is genius. Absolutely, like uh, the, it, it probably already is in textbooks on like how to make a really successful show and franchise. Um, it's one of the most successful IPs in the world, and there are multiple reasons for that. Um, I think the anime resonates with everybody and will continue to resonate with everybody because Ash is the same age. Ash doesn't age, so he is there for every generation of viewers he's the same ash that you grew up with, he's the same ash that i grew up with, he's the same ash that our kids will grow up with. He's going to be there for everyone. So every everybody of every generation will have something in common. And that's huge. That's i think probably yeah. the biggest the biggest reason. Um also uh the design, the designs are adorable. The the pokemon are beautiful and so funny and their voices are so cute and memorable, and I, I mean, the show and this whole franchise, I think, is really built and reliant on its artists and its voice talent, very much.
0: Uh, Sarah's saying that the Pokemon voices are cute, but she voices like 30 of them, mind you, so she's really just giving herself a compliment, which is totally... Wait, unfair. who are you? Who uh, did say? I was saying about you, uh, I was talking to the audience, that you voiced a lot of the oh, Pokemon, okay. and so you, you were just giving yourself a compliment, which is
1: totally cool. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. Hey, so, I mean, I'm, not ty- I'm not typically self-congratulatory, but you gotta take credit <laughs> where it's due. you know what I
0: mean? Exactly. So, it was recently announced that there's a CGI remake of the first Pokemon movie coming out this year. I think it's already out in Japan, but do you have any insight as well as as when it will be coming out stateside? I have no idea. You have no idea. Okay, perfect. No. Kind of figured. Just wanted to. I have to ask. Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, so I guess and now is as good a time. <laughs> I guess now is as good a time as any. Sarah Ash is finally a Pokemon master after twenty years and a lot of heartache. He finally won a Pokemon League competition with the Alola League victory. When you heard the news, how stoked were you?
1: I can neither confirm nor deny that this is actually happening. Oh my gosh, but it already aired on the sub. Everyone knows about it. You can't do that. In Japan yeah. In Japan, it it absolutely happened.
0: Okay. In the rest of the oh world gosh.
1: it has not happened and we don't know whether it will happen. Oh
0: my gosh. Okay. Fair point. There could I be guess. a
1: surprise. You never know.
0: All right. Well let me skip like uh more questions ahead now since you can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> that that's <Sorry>. a thing. <laughs> uh, so, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but you're very involved with uh, cat rescue and adoption of orphaned cats. Do you have a particular organization in general that you work with, and how did you get plugged into that uh, line?
1: Of course. Um, so I, my mom and I, I should say, we foster cats and kittens, so we've been doing that for about two years. We work with Wee almost exclusively. Uh, they're an organization in New York. They have two locations, one in Manhattan, one in Wontong Island. And, uh, it's the most, it, it, I started doing it after my cat of 18 years passed away, and that was really, really hard for me. Uh, cause she was just, she was, she was my Pikachu. She literally was on my lap, by my side all the time. And I was a very, very reclusive in my, like over the last 10 years. So she was, she was my best bud. Um, and after she passed away, I kind of had this idea that I needed to prove to myself that all cats are amazing in their own way, which is what I've heard, which is true. Um, but she's not, like, the greatest, the only, the only cat that's there for me. And, you know, this romantic idea that, like, she's my soulmate and all this. So I started, I, I was like, I got to meet cats. I'm going to go date, you know. <laughs> so I started fostering. Yeah. And I fell in love with my first four fosters. And I had them, I had uh, some friends, Lisa Ortiz, my, our director on Pokemon. She adopted two of them. And my friend Roya's parents, hers, they adopted uh, the other two. And my mom was coming over as I was doing this, and she's like, "I got to do this too. This is amazing." <laughs> so uh, she started doing it, and uh, you know, you can't—you just can't stop. <laughs> it's kind of great. And then Lisa and I started an organization called Voices for Fosters. It's still nascent, um, but uh, we're promoting fostering. It's the most amazing thing you can do, if, especially if you're home a lot and you have a spare room. It's, it's so easy and so fun and people think it's like hard to let go of them and it, it is sometimes if you really fall in love with them. It can be hard, but the look on someone's face when they adopt the next love of their life is, is priceless and you know you're doing something great and you're saving lives. Literally, you're saving lives directly. These cats and kittens will die on the street painful, horrible deaths. Cheers! so if you yeah. can if you have the space and you have uh a little bit of time really you know if you're home a lot, you're working from home or if you're home if you're like really if you live next to your uh if you work next to your apartment or um you know if you if you have the the ability to feed kittens three times a day um it's it's really amazing it's really really fun yeah
0: unfortunately, my mom and I are both allergic to cats. Caveat, though, you know we something? do have a cat mm-hmm. uh, that we have not really fostered, but have kind of taken under our wing. We we have a warm place for it outside, and uh, we feed it. And as long as it doesn't come in the house and get its hair everywhere, mm-hmm. we're totally fine. But I love that work so much. Where can people find out more about uh, your organization and other info in general?
1: Sure, uh, voicesforfosters.org.
0: Voicesforfosters.org.
1: Correct. And I wrote a long piece about fostering, like a big Q&A, because, of course, you have so many questions when you're taking stray animals into your home about them being sick or about getting them adopted or getting stuck with them or saying goodbye. Like, um, I think it's a pretty comprehensive list of answers.
0: Great. So, uh Voicesforfosters.org. Mm-hmm. All right, so we have a couple of fan questions now. Um, sure, Cody Dollarhide would like to know: You are up against the Elite Four champion. You have no idea what Pokemon they
1: have. What team do you choose? Uh, what which Pokemon do I choose for my team? Yeah. Uh, Charizard, uh, Gigantamax Pikachu, and Weedle, just to throw them off.
0: A Weedle, okay. I've seen people, there's a video on YouTube of a guy winning with just a Weedle uh, from uh, Pokemon Yellow, I think he won with. I don't know if it was modded or what, but it was a pretty interesting one. I spent a little too much happen. time watching it, but it was it was an interesting <laughs> run. <clears throat> Aaron Ogawa wants to ask, uh, inspired by the Alola region, would Ash rather hang out with Lilo and Stitch or Moana? Ha.
1: Uh, That's a good question. I think probably Lilo and Stitch.
0: Because Stitch is kind of yeah, like a Pokemon?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay.
1: I think Ash needs buddies. He needs yeah. friends, but he needs buddies too, you know? He's yeah. like me. <laughs> We're in so, we are one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Aaron would also like to know if Ash would be Team Avengers or Team Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: Oh boy. I think Guardians of the Galaxy.
0: Okay, fair enough. I was I was team Avengers myself, but
1: you know, we oh. started
0: off with that uh more yeah. friends thing of the beginning. Okay. Just all right. It's okay. Sorry. I'm sorry. Uh <laughs> Nick Haneman okay. wanted to know what your favorite region of the Pokémon universe is. He said you are not allowed to pick Kanto.
1: Oh, okay. Excuse me. Uh I would say Alola.
0: Okay, fair. It's It's always
1: warm. It's nice there. they got a school. Uh, Yeah, I like it very much.
0: I'm very excited for the uh,
1: new region. Uh, Galar? Galar? Yes, me too. Something Uh, like
0: that. I
1: don't don't know. I say say Galar. I could be wrong, though.
0: Okay, and we're just going to finish off with a couple fun ones. It's late Saturday night. You're done for the day. What will we catch, Serenato Cheney watching on TV?
1: So when I'm watching TV, which is I go through like I go through phases with books and then with some shows because I got to catch up. Everybody's talking about stuff. Uh, oh boy, uh, Fleabag was genius. Succession is probably my favorite show of all time uh the other two which is a show on comedy central is hilarious and so relevant and very funny uh written by two uh former snl writers uh schitt's creek is one of my favorite comedies of all time uh and then there were some netflix some like one-off netflix bits dead to me was really funny um and i watched recently living with myself i binged that with paul rudd uh really (laughs) that's that's kind of my speed that's kind of where i exist I would love to do shows like that, and uh, it's—I don't, I don't know if it's like a huge hit, but I really liked it.
0: Yeah, that's actually next on my list. I'm going through uh, the new season of Jack Ryan right now, but after that, I'm going to hit the Paul Red one up.
1: Yeah, it's good.
0: Final question, hardest one of the whole interview. I don't think you're ready for it, but are you ready?
1: I—I don't—I I, don't—I don't know. I don't, I don't okay. know. Okay. You tell me. You told me you said no, so I don't know. Now I'm scared. <laughs> All right. What is it?
0: This is the deal breaker. Great interview or terrible interview? Does pineapple belong on pizza?
1: Are you insane?
0: <laughs> it depends on what your answer is.
1: <laughs> no, no, that's my answer.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Uh,
1: no, I've I've actually had it. I've tried it. I've tried it at several different pizza places. I'm a New Yorker. I eat a lot of pizza. Um, it's, it's been done well at a few places, but it's not something I ever really order. i say don't make it illegal, but, uh, you know, it's uh, definitely wrong.
0: Okay, we've salvaged the friendship, so... It's
1: morally wrong.
0: Okay, great. We can stay friends after the whole... This has been a turbulent relationship from the very beginning to now. we can end as friends thank you so much for being here with us this was a lot of fun uh any final words of wisdom for the audience
1: uh you know be cool stay in school you're probably gonna need it cheers thanks again to our special guests jay kleitz and Serenata chenny and thank you to all of you who gave this a listen until next time have a great week and stay
2: swifty, fellow nerds